When aspects of a complex case exceed your personal expertise, you bring in a co-counsel to add the specific insight your firm needs for next-level results. Marketing in the legal industry requires complex strategy and insight far beyond anything you learned in law school. Want more for your law firm? Time to bring in a marketing co-counsel. Welcome to CounselCast. I'm your host, Karin Conroy, your marketing co-counsel. In every episode, I discuss marketing topics with experts who answer your questions and help your firm achieve more. Here's today's guest. I'm Sarah Moon, and I am a digital strategist based in Portland, Oregon. And I'm super excited to talk about pricing today. I am so excited to talk about this too. We have had so many conversations about just strategy in general, how to approach just business, but also this crazy small world that you and I have so many overlapping little circles. I I affectionately refer to you as that kind of central connector. I feel like you know everyone and because of that, there's like one degree of separation between Sarah Moon and the rest of the world. <laughs> I, you know, it's actually super awkward, but I kind of feel like that's true. Yeah, it is. It is. My husband I mean, as that I collect weirdos, which I think is a little bit judgy, but you know, I'm going to roll with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'm happy to fit in the weirdo department. Like, you know, all of us people who, who call ourselves creatives, we, we want to think a little differently and we know everyone and it's strange how We've known each other for, you know, whatever it is, a number of months, and we just keep having these strange small worlds. Yeah, I love it. into each other. <laughs> so we started talking about strategy, and we were talking about all of these things that keep popping up more recently in, in terms of pricing. Mm-hmm. And then not just kind of like, how do you set your pricing, but how do you do an, a big strategy around that? And there's this, these trends that we've, I know you and I have both seen to do these things called VIP days and day rates and flat fees or intent. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And here's our big I'm question. I'm so excited to talk about this. This is our big question. What do pricing models have to do with marketing strategy? So what do you think the answer to that is, Sarah? And how does how does this all work? So that's a really big question. And I always say I don't have all the answers, but I've observed a lot of stuff. And I think one of the, the privileges of doing the kind of work that I do and that you do is we get to see inside a lot of businesses in a really deep yeah. way. And it's really cool because it's like, yeah, sure. Like I can help you get your, your marketing strategy and your digital stuff in order. But really what we're doing is we're peeling away the layers and finding something that works and figuring out what's not working and making the marketing strategy feed more of what's working. And so ultimately we come to the question of pricing all the time because you've got to have product market fit. Like if your pricing is wacky, which is a technical term, in regard to your audience, that's a problem. It's going to be really, really hard to market. But I think the bigger thing that's often overlooked is actually I've seen folks have amazing marketing, like really stellar, like brand on point. They can talk about what they do all day. They've got the lingo. You know, everything is just dialed in. But then it's very confusing how to work with them. It's people have a lot of anxiety over how much is this going to cost me? They worry about, you know, what does this process even look like? When does it get done? There's all these things. And that's where that pricing is so important. And I see that. I know obviously a lot of the audience here are in the legal field. And that's something with my attorney clients. They've told me that 
they're one of the biggest stressors that their clients have is they're like, so I need an estate plan. And they have no idea how much that's going to cost them. And so right. it keeps them from doing it. It creates right. anxiety because there's confusion and stress and that like what's out there that's unknown. So yeah. when you create that pricing clarity, that is so marketable when you have that. It's so different from what you see in a lot of firms. And it's such a, the pricing itself, especially when it comes to law firms, is such a kind of hidden secret. And it's like this little, what's the, the tablet the, that everybody's seeking or, you know, the thing that everyone is looking for in <laughs> Raiders of the Lost That's Ark. That's what I was going to do. Like, Raider, you mean like what? in Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't be a mystery. It shouldn't be this like thing that you have to run down this hallway of snakes and spiders to find. And it should be clear because let's, let's hope that all you're looking for an attorney for is an estate plan. But a lot of times it's a much bigger, more anxiety ridden problem just to begin with. And then the price is adding a whole other layer. And so if you can really get that hurdle under wraps, you can, you know, expedite the decision process. And I think one of the things people get tripped up on is they think that it is the dollar figure that's the stressful thing. And yes, like right. some people are going to select themselves out of, you know, certain price points, but really it's the unknown. Like that is the big stressor is what is this going to look like? But here's another thing that I think is also where pricing and marketing intersect is when you look at pricing models, some of these um, strategies are much more scalable which means that you can actually spend more time doing high quality marketing. If you have a streamlined right. model, so you're, you know, you're more profitable, maybe you can hire a marketing assistant. There's like this cascading effect when you have a model that is scalable. I think that's another thing a lot of firms don't think about is their long-term scalability and even the idea of building it as a business that you can sell. Yep. So a lot of times when we talk about long-term plans, it's like, okay, well, what happens if you die or get hit by a bus? Well, those aren't the only two options. You could also <laughs> sell it. <laughs> like, you don't have to do this until you die. Let's let's think of, like, maybe something a little happier. Like, you decide to build it as a business and then sell it and do something different or, you know, do a pivot. So, okay, so let's talk about what these models are. Like, what are all of these things that keep coming up? Okay, so we're going to talk about my favorite thing, which is productized services. So that, okay, that's a big word. That is a big word. And so, but it actually is a really simple concept. So if you think about, if you go into a store and you need a really great energy efficient dishwasher. I've had dishwasher issues. <laughs> okay. Um, Top of mind. Yeah. And so you're like, okay, so here's kind of the things that you need. Energy efficiency. I need it to be stainless steel. I need it to be quiet. So I'm this person with a problem. And I go into the store. I find the product that solves my problem. Productized services are exactly the same concept. Like I have a clear problem. Here are my criteria that I know will solve that problem. So I'm going to go look for a service that meets that need. And most people, when I talk to them about this, they, and I'll say, so what is the big problem that you solve the most for your clients? And most of my clients have clients. So I, when I say clients, I mean, I could mean customers or students or whatever your model is. And they can answer that. Like 
almost every single one can just say, oh, well, the vast majority of my people, they're worried about X. Or, you know, the most of our work is we do trademarks. Because I, too, work with a lot of right. attorneys. <laughs> um, yeah. Or, you know, a specific, you know, one of my past clients did a specific type of immigration status change. That was a very common, huge percentage of his business was that. So all of those things where it's a very specific product, you can package that up. And that's sort of kind of basics. But what the key to a productized service is, it's not just making a nice little package and charging a flat fee. That's just flat fee services, which is a great place to start if you've never done any of this kind of thing, if you're just billing hourly all the time. But a productized service also is the process. So you're taking every one of those people who purchases, you know, that trademark service or that immigration status change or what have you, you're taking them through a specific process that you have created that you can replicate, that you can teach to other people on your team and that can run like a flywheel where there's not friction, yep. where they know where you're, they know what they're paying, they know what to expect. There's a lot of predictability. And the thing is those tend to be, they don't tend to, they should be very profitable as well. So And scalable. And scalable. And I, I feel like that's the word that most law firms just don't, they can't figure that piece of it out. And this is it. This is the answer. Yes. So I, that's one of the reasons I get so excited about productized services is because it's really taking the thing you do really, really well, creating yep. a system that you can train people, that you can teach, that you can talk about all day long and running your clients through this super effective system. And that you have these outcomes where people are delighted. I always say like, what's the joy factor? Yes. Because people are like, wow, that seemed scary. And it, it wasn't. And it just blows their minds. Right. But then we've got some other models and this is where it gets really interesting. So, yeah, this is the part I love. Well, we'll dive in. <laughs> I'm sure we'll talk more about product okay. and services, but, but then there's some well, other kind things of that are connected. Exactly. It's the piece that, it's the thread that runs through all of these. Yeah. And so then there are intensives. So So what's that? That's the one that I think is the most interesting, especially for this kind of law firm stuff, but it's the one I hear the least about and I, and I love it. And I think it's also, what also is interesting about intensives is they're right before actually being a retainer model as well. Yes. So that's something yes. to keep in mind when you think about this is that it is, and I actually think that is where it's best. I think it shines when it's not a one and done, when it's a continual relationship, but it has this structure. And yes. we all, I mean, we all don't have enough time in the day. I think any of us who are running businesses, we, we, we want to have more control of our time. And you know that we've got interruption here, interruption there, got to answer this email, got to deal with this little bit for this client. And if you're still billing hourly in your law firm, then you've got to be doing your billing for all of that stuff. So there's a lot of bits and pieces that are taking you away from the client work. But intensives are literally what it sounds like. So you are effectively selling a block of time. And some people do whole day intensives. Personally, that would kill me. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah, me too. But I know folks who love it because it's very deep work. And so they can spend, right. you know, three hours in the morning, break for lunch, spend three more hours. And it's a really, really intensive 
satisfying way to work. Some so a lot of people are going to relate intensive to a retainer and they are, different. they are different. And I think this is an important distinction because so for even for agencies like ours, we we could both do a retainer model. But what ends up happening, I know, you know, we have similar kinds of clients and, and work. And what ends up happening, and I'm sure this happens for law firms, is you get those squeaky wheels. Right. And they are emailing you at three in the morning and they think that they own you. And you're kind of back in that that life that we all had in our early careers where we were being micromanaged and our hour and our times wasn't being respected. And retainer models are not good for really high maintenance clients. Mm -hmm. And they're actually not that great for low maintenance clients because they're not really seeing the value. Great. So intensives is what I think is how both kinds of clients can really get the value out of it without driving you completely bananas. So explain what the difference is. Yes, yeah, so that is, you nailed it, is a retainer is kind of an on-call. And yes. that and the, that's problematic for a bunch of reasons. And I actually think one of the biggest reasons is if you have someone like, oh, can you look at this contract for me? And then you don't hear from them the rest of the month. Or then the next month, it's there's these like, you know, super high demand things. It's not an efficient way to work. It's not scalable. It is um, not replicatable. There's, it's not meeting any of those needs, but it also becomes really hard to plan your time. And yeah. I think when we talk about the soft side of it, I think it actually creates kind of awkward relationships. Yes. Yes. Where it's almost like they feel that you're their employee yes. and not the expert and the consultant and the person who can really guide them through their problem. And that's when you are the expert and the guide, you don't want to be in that situation. <laughs> right, exactly. So how does an intensive work in comparison? So an intensive is literally, so the model that I, I tend to like is where it tends to be half day blocks, just because I think that's manageable for a lot of people. But like I said, it's, you're driving the bus. Like you can choose whatever is your, you know, your model and it is okay, so we are going to work on your issues on this day, at this time, anything we need from you, you need to get to us by. And again, you're driving the bus, so you can choose what the parameters are. And what a lot of folks, the way they structure these intensives is they'll have a call with a client first thing at the beginning of their, their intensive. They'll create kind of an agreed upon plan as to what the priorities are. And then the team or the individual will work through that list strategically over the agreed upon time. And then they have goals that they also review, like, okay, here's where we were, you know, if you're meeting monthly or quarterly or whatever it is, like, here's where we were, where, where we were <laughs> last month, here's what, what we're trying to get done. And so reasonably, let's say we're focusing on our social media accounts. This is what we're going to do over the next three months, because right. reasonably, this is what we've decided is, is a reasonable amount of time to achieve that. So I hear you that you have these other five things that you want to do. We're going to have to put those on the calendar for next quarter, because right. this is what we're focusing on for this quarter. So really, like, this is where the intensive idea comes in. Yeah. We're going to focus. It's focused. And I think yeah, for and attorneys, get, and that could be super powerful. So if you're, say, a business attorney and you are working on with a client has a lot of issues around making sure they have all their ducks in a row with employees. So you can be like, remember, you can keep refocusing the client back to 
remember, we strategized and we know you've got a lot of issues related to employment and making sure you have everything, you know, all your ducks in a row so you're not going to get in trouble. So yeah. we are focused on this this quarter. I know you want to redo your contracts. We'll put that on the schedule for next quarter. So, and that's why I like this as a recurring model. I know people who sell these very successfully as one-offs, but I think where they're very powerful is really as a recurring concept. Yeah. And you can also build in communication yeah, in between too. So you, if you use Voxer, you could do that. If you have a Slack channel, if you have a Trello board, whatever your way, but you're not advising them. You're just like letting them have a communication. Yeah. Like you're letting them have a, like a lifeline and you yes. can, so you can kind of keep that. So they're heard. So you're not just sending them off. And that's yeah, also so where they... an admin can really help you also. So yes keep it focused, but also, you know, make sure that all of the kind of conversations are coming through and, and getting addressed. And so, okay, we, we've got these ideas where all of a sudden, I mean, you, you know, like the clients are like, oh, Bob down the street is doing X and I just saw him and wow, it looks like he's making a lot of money because he's driving a new car. So maybe I need to do X. And it's like, okay, let's take a step back. <laughs> I mean, the FOMO is real with, you know, in the legal industry. So, you know, it's, it's always good to kind of plan it out and have the strategy where you can say, okay, let's take a step back. Does that even fit in with this whole strategy that we're doing? Because otherwise, it's the approach is more like what we've done historically where it's, it is just kind of like throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks and there's no real plan and there's no ongoing communication and strategy. So this intensive yeah. thing is, is such a cool and it's a way to really see long-term results too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So how do you kind of align this idea with the brand? Because we've talked about, a, and, and you've mentioned a lot of different kinds of practice areas and an estate planning firm is going to do this differently than your immigration attorney. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, so how do you kind of align these different kinds of pricing models and figure out which one is the right one? So you need to, first of all, talk to your team, figure out what the most, and I'm serious. I, I, when I say that, talk to almost everyone in the legal field, at least has a legal assistant. They hear different things than you do. And that's right. just the nature of the beast. So yes, you know what a lot of the things are that clients tell you, but your people hear other things. And so talk to them about what are people telling you? What is the, what are people asking that we don't do? Or what are people confused about when they call? What is the inbox look like? So all those kinds of things that will give you so much data um, about people's perception of your services. And I tell you that inbox is a treasure trove. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't call my inbox a treasure trove, right? You know, on, like on a Monday or a Tuesday, it's definitely not quite so pretty. <laughs> okay, I, I will give you that. But <laughs> but there is a lot of stuff. You can I, so I, much recon. Absolutely. And, and I would also say, you know, there are lots of other places you can do recon as well, because you really want to have an ear to the ground and to the, the really precise problem. So that's where you want to start. So, you know, like that website, Cora, they have lots of good recon on there, questions people are asking. I've yet to find a field where there isn't, uh, isn't a, yeah. a handful of questions about like, what's it like to work with a whatever. So there's lots of places you can do recon, but you really do want to don't skip this step. Do the work to actually hear what people are asking. Yeah. 
and then sit down and look at what are you selling the most of if you know if it's trademarks that's probably a good sign that like hey if everyone wants a trademark that might be a good sign but there's also it may be you may have kind of a little punch list you're doing for a lot of clients so don't um don't think it needs to be a thing it could be that i saw a great example of a firm that had a it was like basically a creative business starter kit and it was in more of the VIP day intensive model. And they will do all the things that you need done when you're starting. And it was specifically to a creative business. So there's, you know, if you're an artist, if you're a designer, you know, this is the place to go. And they'll do your incorporation, your contracts. You know, they had a few other things that um, went into this. But it was such a brilliant idea, right? Because they right. probably yeah. were doing these things Especially piecemeal. You know, right? Exactly, and especially when you call it a starter kit, because then it implies there's more coming. Yeah, come back. You're gonna need other stuff from <laughs> us. Yes, exactly. Like you know, this is not just like a one and done. Whereas, like with trademarks, I could see it being tricky. Where, like, yeah. if, you know, I, I don't know how a, an attorney like that would do more of an intensive. So maybe their model is more just the productized service. Mm -hmm. Figure out how to just really scale that up. Yep. But then, like you're saying, like the business kind of attorney where they do those starter things, there's so many ways they can grow from that. Mm -hmm. And being really, the particular one I'm thinking of, being really clear, this is for if you are running a creative business, like if you're ready to get serious about your graphic design business, go to them. They will make sure that you, because you're creative, you probably never thought about any of this. You probably don't know what an right, LLC exactly. is. <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know? Right. So yeah. there's those kinds of things. I mean, I'm joking, but also I know these, I know the but audience. Not. I know the audience exactly. for these people. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. And they're not thinking about their contracts. They're not thinking about, they're not thinking about these things until it's a problem and like a serious problem. And all of a sudden exactly. they're backing into it. And, and I mean, you and I have been around long enough that I've backed into plenty of problems myself. Yeah. I'm Who sure hasn't? you have too. <laughs> and so, yeah. So now it's like, okay, I am set from this point going forward because of all these lessons I've learned over years and years. Yeah. It's so. really, it's, it's really interesting. And then the cool thing about it is if you do solve that really specific problem and if you identify like, okay, so for, you know, if I'm doing a toolkit, that could be a product I service, or maybe it could be a recurring yeah. intensive as we get your ducks in a row over the course of three, six, whatever. There's a lot of feel like what feels right, because you need to, you can't create one of these alternative pricing models in a way that is not aligned with your company culture, your working style, that sort of thing. So if you are someone who, you know, is going to be stressed out by working really intensively on one thing all day, don't do a recurring at intensive. <laughs> right, exactly. Like the all day, don't you know, and like it. you said earlier, yeah, I, you know, I cannot do that either. I, I have like short bursts. I was a sprinter in high school. I have short yes. bursts of energy. And so that's, you know, I know that about myself, like sitting down with someone for two or three hours or even more, absolutely not. Like that's not going to happen for yeah, me. <laughs> It's, but, it's exhausting. But then there's like the marathon people who that's that's perfect for them. Exactly. And, and I know so, folks I know folks who just love working that way and it's super exhilarating for them and they get a lot of satisfaction out of it. But once you figure that out, what is the model? And then what you can do is start marketing it and it's really easy. Because I think everyone I talk to thinks marketing is hard and I get it. 
because the way we talk about marketing, it sounds super complicated. It sounds like super techie. It sounds like, oh, well, no one can figure it out. It sounds like, well, I've got to go viral to get attention. And you and I know that's nonsense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But if you have a clear product with a clear audience, that marketing is easy. Because you just keep exactly. saying the same thing. You keep addressing the problem from yep. different angles, putting it in different yep. places. Like you just, you hang out where the people are who need that solution. So it becomes a very solution-oriented right. marketing effort, which is just, it can start to feel like, wow, this, I feel like I'm scamming someone. Like, why is this easy? Right? It's so easy. Yeah. I tell this story about Seth Godin all the time. He was on the Clio Cloud Conference last fall, and he talked about how, you know, if you are off hunting in the middle of Canada somewhere and you fall and you hurt your left knee, you want the left knee specialist. You don't want some like OBGYN showing up like to check out your knee. You And you don't even want like, you know, an orthopod. You want the guy who only works on left knees, you know, because like you want your knee to be right, you know. And so it's the same with every other kind of business. Like if people are looking for that specific product and you've been out there putting your name all over it, then it's just an obvious answer. And they're like, oh, of course I would do this instead of, you know, some other random person who's maybe done this once or twice. Well, and I mean, case in point, what, you know what happens to me all the time? I get tagged in random conversations all the time about productized services. And I'll be like, who are these people? Like who are tagging me? (laughs) But because it's something that I've talked about for so long, for so many years, it pops up that someone will be like, you should talk to Sarah. And I'm like, who is this person tagging me? But but your name now goes hand in hand with that. And so it just markets itself. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. so So tell me what you have been reading. I know you and I are both big, avid readers. And so tell me the book that you are recommending that ties it all together. That ties it all together. So I know a lot of folks know Profit First, which is a good book. I recommend you read it. Yes. The book by that same author that I think is a better book and is more appropriate for this conversation is called The Pumpkin Plan. And Mike, the author, he never actually says the word productized services, but it truly lays out a model that is very much like what we're talking about, but these streamlined pricing models that are repeatable, scalable, and he has some really great tidbits in there. One of my favorites is the chapter that's actually about networking, which I think is a horrible word. Do you like networking? I don't like networking. Oh, gosh. No, it's awful. But he makes networking sound awesome. And <laughs> that alone sounds like it's worth reading it for. <laughs> yeah, really I mean, does. Oh, because yeah. You think of networking and you instantly think of like all the anxiety and like bad watery drinks and just like all yeah. that yucky no. stuff. His approach to using when you have one of these scalable, repeatable services, one of the first things he tells you to do is go talk to other people who serve clients with the same problem because this is like a team up. It's like the Avengers. You know, and <laughs> so <laughs> I love all of our analogies in this episode. We've got we Avengers. We've got extraordinarily re- cool, obviously. <laughs> uh, cl- clearly, yeah. <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. We got all. We got yeah, all the good ones here. But but that is why I really. That's one of the things I think from that book. It's like okay, so you've got this system. So yes. go talk to other people who are also serving these same people 
because, you know, maybe you'll learn something from them about improving your systems. Maybe there's synergy. Like, there's a lot of that. And that's actually yeah. the way I, I – and that has stuck with me since I read that book a number of years ago. And and I do that. And it's so yeah. valuable. And yeah, you're really good at that. And it sounds a little counterintuitive because it does sound like he's almost saying, like, go talk to your competition, which, yeah, I mean, in some ways, some people might twist it to, to yeah. feel that that's way. That's not what he's saying. And that's not it at all. And I'll give an example really relevant to the audience here is I have a client, they're a family law firm, they're a medium-sized firm. They have a really interesting marketing angle in the way they market their business. And one of the things that's been one of their most successful marketing tools is building relationships with other people who serve the families that they represent. So psychologists, financial planners, CPAs, real estate agents. So like all these people, because the thing is when you have a network like that and you have a really great, easy to explain service, what happens is, so say if you're a family attorney and you, and that realtor that you made a relationship with is helping someone who's in the middle of a divorce sell their home, they then turn around and say, you know, if you don't have an attorney yet, you should talk to my friend so-and-so. They have a really wonderful process to make this peaceful. And so then they call and are like, I want the thing. And yes. so it's like having a street team basically, but they're meaningful relationships. And what do you do is you recommend this compassionate real estate agent who exactly. has worked with families going through this difficult time. So it really is creating that network and that connection. But it's also, if you have something that's easy to sell, those folks sell yeah. for you. Exactly. Well, and there's, I mean, having those kinds of relationships is finding one good relationship like that is worth way more than just one, finding one good client because they have right. the potential to bring in so much more business and expand your network. So networking and just thinking only about that one client end goal is, is kind of really small thinking. Finding those people that you can connect with and make those partnerships is a you know way bigger result than just one it's at a time. It's really assembling the A team beyond your own business. Okay, yeah. We got another, yeah. We got okay. That sounds awesome. <laughs> A-team. That's awesome. <laughs> okay. So the book is Pumpkin Plan. Mm -hmm. I do not know how to pronounce his last name. I Mike. don't either. So that's why I just called him Mike. Yeah. Like we're old friends. Some big, <laughs> you and Mike. <laughs> I don't know Mike. Uh, it starts with an M and we will link to it. And he's the guy who wrote Profit First. So it's very easy to find, but we will link to it also. And that sounds super good. I'm excited to read that one too. All right. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This was super valuable. I feel like pricing is always a little bit tricky and we will link to all of your website, social media. And I know that you have, I have a workbook, which is a pared down version of basically the ideation guide for lack of a, a less clear term to starting to thinking about how to productize a service. So okay. really just getting some of those, that information on paper that will help what the appropriate approach to that specific side of alternative pricing models. And you can find that at sermoon.net slash councilcast. Oh, awesome. We will link to it. We'll have a page for you and we'll link to it from that page too. So this cool workbook where you can kind of organize your thoughts about how to start to do all this kind of pricing models, which one is right for you. And then I'm sure it's beautifully designed. So Sarah's got that all <laughs> ready and, I mean, and downloadable. I mean, it's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Sarah. I really appreciate it. (laughs) Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode on the CouncilCast podcast. I know that by implementing what you heard today, your law firm will achieve more. Be sure to visit the website at council-cast.com for the resources mentioned on this episode. If you enjoyed the episode, I would appreciate it if you could rate and review the podcast on Apple and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. See you on the next one.